made me first suspect Joe was that he knew more than any innocent person should have known. I suspected Irene the moment I heard the fireman's testimony. The apparently unimportant fact. I suspected, that I suspected, suspected the postman after he came. I suspected. I suspected. Listen to radio's newest, most interesting, and thrilling program, Suspicion. Somewhere in the drama about to be presented is a seemingly unimportant fact, a hidden clue that first casts suspicion on the ultimate culprit. Listen regularly to this thrilling series, test your powers of observation and deduction, and find the hidden clue. It may be a single line, a sound, perhaps a complete scene. All names and characters depicted in this story are fictitious. Any resemblance to persons living or dead is entirely coincidental. In the story we presented last time in this series... A college education. Do you remember this scene? Sergeant McKenzie of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Paulson, Joe Carson, and Tim Denovan have gone to question Lefty Denovan, who is suspected of the murder of Duncan Bradshaw. When the four men reached the cabin... We got here too late. He's dead. You killed him. Easy, son. It looks to me like your father committed suicide. Yeah, there's his gun on the floor under his right hand. Under his right hand, ladies and gentlemen, was the hidden clue. For Lefty Donovan was, as his nickname implies, left-handed. Now we present announcer for death. On July 10th, shortly before noon, as Sam Jennings, salesman for a radio station in a large Midwestern city, is taking Howard Croft, a prospective client, through the studios. I know next to nothing about radio, Mr. Jennings, but it looks to me as if you have a very nice plant here. Well, thank you. The personnel is quite capable of producing any type of program, that is, drama, music, or what have you. It's really quite different from what I'd expected. Yes? In what way? Well, I expected to hear a lot of noise, you know, people rehearsing, singers practicing, sound effects, and so forth. Well, we had enough of that in the old studios. You see, this one is soundproof. Every room, offices, as well as studios. Seems to be easier on the nerves. Oh, by the way, I'd like to have you uh, meet our casting director. I'm not going to make any changes, Alan. Uh, oh, you want to see me, Mr. Jennings? Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Trent. I didn't know you were busy. Uh, not at all. Uh, Miss Trent, this is Mr. Cross. How do you do, Mr. Cross? Oh, good morning. I was just showing Mr. Cross around the studios and thought we'd look in on you. Uh, well, I'll be through in a minute. Uh, no, that's all right. Now, now, suppose we get down to business, Mr. Jennings. I have a luncheon appointment at 1.30. Oh, glad to have met you, Miss Trent. Thank you. If you'd uh, like to watch a broadcast sometime, just let me know. Oh, thanks, I will. No need of your staying here any longer, Alan. I'm busy. But you promised the part to me, Miss Trent. Oh, did I? Yes, and gee, Miss Trent, you don't know what it means to me. I'm almost a cinch to get the lead in the big top show. It all depends on tonight's program. The sponsor's going to be listening in. And I know I can do the part. The cast has already been made up. But, Miss Trent... There's no use arguing, Alan. Who's the guy you're putting in my place? Tommy Conway. Who's he? I never heard of him. 
Some rich guy, I guess. Well, really, Alan, you aren't the most talented person in radio. Tommy is quite... I'll bet he's a friend of yours and in the dole. How dare you insinuate... Oh, the truth hurts, doesn't it? Oh. Well, but remember this. If I ever get a chance to cut your throat, don't think I won't do it. Hello? Who's this? Oh, I didn't recognize your voice at first, Jerry. What's that? But I told you that you had... No, I... Very well. Now I'll meet you downstairs in 20 minutes. But I'm not going to change my mind, Jerry. You're late, Jerry. Sorry, but I wasn't able to leave the office right away. What would you like to eat? At the Monte Cristo. Phyllis, won't you listen to reason? We won't discuss the matter any further, Jerry. If you want your letters Don't back... Don't you understand? I can't get the money right now. You always seem to have money for other things. I know, but... The price is $5,000. Either you pay me or else. If you keep whining about it, the letters will cost you 6000 Now take me to lunch. I'm hungry. Phyllis, don't you realize what you're doing to me? You should have thought of that earlier, about six months ago. Now, look, I'm trying to close a touch-and-go business deal, and I need every cent I can lay my hands on. So do I. You don't need the money right now, but I do. If I lose out on this deal, I'll have to retrench. It'll probably mean firing half my staff. You know my terms, Jerry? Yes, I do. The scandal's the last thing I can afford at the present moment. It'll kill the deal. If you'll hold off for a month, I'll pay you $8,000. You pay me now or I'll bring suit against you. You tramp, I could... Yes, my dear, I don't doubt you'd like to kill me. But I've taken care of that, too. And really, you shouldn't be quite so angry. You're not the only one who's written me rather amorous love notes and who's buying them back. In fact, you're getting off easy. But if you don't give me the money by 9 o'clock tonight, my dear, there's going to be trouble for you. I'll be at the studio until 9. But after that, I'll be too busy to see you. And there's the whole story, sis. Couldn't you stall her off until the end of the month? No. She's given me until 9 o'clock tonight. I know Tom would be glad to lend you the money, Jerry, but he hasn't got it. We're living out in the country just to save money. Well, looks like curtains for me, sis. Isn't there anyone who could help you out? I phoned or called on everyone I know in town. Oh. How about Tommy Conway? He used to be pretty sick with his brother. Say, I hadn't thought of him. Why, he's got more money than he knows what to do with. Sure. Thanks for the tip, sis. I'll hurry back to town to see Tommy. Five thousand won't mean a thing to him. gone at least half an hour. No, only five minutes. I wonder if Tommy will... Mr. Conway cannot be disturbed by Matthews. What's this? But his brother and... Did you give him my note? Mr. Conway is quite busy at the present time, Mr. Matthews. He's making his debut on the radio this evening and cannot be disturbed. Well, if, if you'll only Conway tell him that... Mr. Matthews, but Mr. Conway cannot be disturbed. Oh, I see. Well, you can tell His Highness to go jump in the river. Quite so, sir. Good afternoon, Mr. Matthews. 
Watch the red light, Captain. As soon as that goes on, the sound man will give us a couple of seconds of machine gun and a police whistle. Then I introduce you. Then... Quiet. The battle against crime. Ladies and gentlemen, in cooperation with the police department, this radio station brings you tonight and every Tuesday at this time short talks on local methods of crime prevention and detection. Tonight's thrilling episode of The Battle Against Crime will be narrated by Captain Griff McKisson of the Traffic Bureau. Captain McKisson. Good evening. One of the most interesting cases in our files concerns a murder committed in broad daylight on a busy downtown. He confessed and named his confederate, one Janice Fair. On March 10th of this year, they were executed, once more proving that crime does not pay. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Captain Griff McKisson of the Traffic Bureau in the first episode of The Battle Against Crime. Next week at this same time, we shall present Sergeant Patrick O'Leary, the officer who single-handed captured the Red Rose Gang. So listen in next Tuesday at 8.45 for... The Battle Against Crime. You've no idea, George, how glad I am that's over. What's the matter? Did you hear anything during that last machine gun sound effect, Captain? Well, no. What? I could swear I heard a shot. Not a sound effect, but a real shot. It sounded like it came from one of the officers. Maybe I'm just imagining well, it, it won't but... hurt I... to take a look. Lead the way, George. All right. There's no one in... Oh, is that you, Alan? Yes, what is it, George? Well, have you seen any strangers in the hall here? No, no, I haven't seen anyone. Why? Uh, never mind. Hey, you know where Miss Fred is? In Studio C, I guess, rehearsing. Oh, well, she's not there. I'll take a look at her office. Who's he? Alan? Oh, one of the actors, but I didn't know he was going to be in tonight. George! George, come here! What's the matter? It's Miss Fred. She's... I just opened the door to see if she was here. Turn on the lights. Good Lord, Captain, she's... Yes. The bullet ended an inch and a half above the left eye. Hmm. Cordite smells pretty strong. Can't have happened very long ago. Still, with the door closed... Can I call the police? No, I think I'll be able to take care of it. Captain McKisson is from the police department, Alan. Oh. Let's see. The murderer must have been standing just about... Gentlemen, but can you tell me what... Phyllis. Good Lord, what... Did you know her? Yes. Yes, I did, but not very well. We were hardly more than friends. Barely acquaintances, so to speak. Who are you? Jerry Matthews. Oh, Jerry Matthews, eh? Yes. And barely acquaintances, huh? Then what's the meaning of this? She was writing this letter when she was killed. Listen. Dear Pete, unless you hear to the contrary, I want you to start suit against Jerry Matthews for... For what, Matthews? Breach of promise. And you were barely more than friends, eh? When did you get here? I... I, I guess it was about ten minutes ago. I waited in the lobby for a few minutes, and then I... I walked around looking for Miss Prince's office. I, I, I had to see her before 9 o'clock. Why? I, she demanded $5,000 for some letters I wrote and threatened to bring suit if I didn't get the money. Did you? No, no, I didn't. I, I came here to beg her to wait until I'd closed a certain business deal. I see. Blackmail, eh? Well, I can't say I'm sorry for her. But in this state, murder is a crime. Isn't it, George? Yes, but good Lord, Captain, you don't think that I... So she was blackmailing you too, eh? Uh, yes, she was. I paid every cent she asked, and she asked plenty. She kept my letters. She said I might be famous someday. Huh. Well, I guess she won, even though I killed her. You know, George, there's a lot of truth in that old saying. Crime doesn't pay anyone. You both lost. 
Just after George McGraw signed a full confession at police headquarters, he asked Captain McKisson... Well, as long as everything's over, Captain, do you mind telling me the mistake I made? I thought when I killed her just before announcing your program that I'd covered up everything pretty well. You had. I didn't suspect you at all until Jerry Matthews told me she'd been blackmailing him. I thought she might have blackmailed somebody else. And then I remembered that... Ladies and gentlemen, did you discover the hidden clue that caused Captain McKisson to suspect George McGraw of the murder of Phyllis Clint? If you did, write into the station and tell us the hidden clue you found. And to test your powers of observation and deduction, listen for the correct hidden clue in this story the next time we present Suspicion. Suspicion. 